It's been great uh, over the semester and month or two uh, to continue to teach little by little, little nuggets about the liturgy and uh, things that help us pray together. Um, a reminder to us that the church provides for us in the Missal and in the general instruction uh, to the Roman Missal how it is that we pray. So this book that you see is called the Roman Missal. It's at the altar. And on the inside of it uh, is everything, the majority of what's needed for us to know what to do. There's the instructions are in red and then what I say or what you say is in black. Um, And it allows us to be together in a communal form of worship. Uh, There's always questions uh, that come out of this. And so there's another book. This, that's the, the answers to the questions that are in here. And then when you have questions about what's in here, then there's a website that we go to and the Vatican uh, Dicastery on Liturgy answers questions and takes things. But primarily they respond through the bishop because the bishop is the primary liturgist of every diocese. Uh, and he is the one that um, enacts the particularities of some things that can have variations and things. So... Um, Yeah, so it's been good and grateful to do so. I've become aware at the Newman Center that how, what it means that this is a communal prayer. Because we come from so many different places, and I know uh, handfuls of you aren't Catholic even. I love talking to some of you guys here and there when I meet uh, your friends or you guys that are here, and you say, it's my first time ever at a Mass. I just talked to somebody last week, and they uh, never been to a mass until one of their friends uh, brought them here. Um, so it's a communal prayer, and it's a prayer that we all participate in together, and the church helps us know how we pray. So we all do have personal ways we pray too, but when we come here, there's a preference that we be one body, that we act uh, accordingly to what the church provides for us. Um, when I eat it, one of my favorite things eating at people's homes They always say, Father, lead us in prayer. My response is, this isn't my home. You tell me how you pray. And then I find all these unique and little ways in which families pray. And there's a form that a family has when they pray together. uh, um, And I then get to enter into that, but I need someone else to lead me uh, as it. And I just kind of go along with it. It's been a beautiful gift. Uh, well, the church, is like, the church is a family, and so we have a form in which we pray, and uh, it's a gift that we're able to come together. Um, we do have many new people, and so it's provoked in me continual desire to little instructions. And then I realize most of you are probably like me before I entered seminary. You don't know why we do anything either. Anyway. <laughs> we're all just like been doing it since we were kids. Uh, But uh, it's helpful to kind of just have a few of those pointers that we've been going to. So the next point that I uh, want to introduce to us is the holding of the hands at the Our Father and also something usually tied to it that's called the Oran's position. Um, These two positions sometimes are together, sometimes they're separate. Uh, They have different dynamics, but uh, oftentimes at Mass they're um, included together. I've been to three parishes as a priest, and every parish did it differently. (laughs) The first parish that I was at, everyone held hands at the Our Father. 
The second parish I was at, no one held hands at the Our Father. And the third parish I was at, I was founding, and we were from nine parishes. And everybody's like, Father, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? I was like, I don't know. Just leave me alone for a minute. (laughs) And I just like left it. But I show up here and the same things here. We're coming from so many different places and people are like, why do we do this? Why do we do that? So it's an opportunity for us to just implement what the Roman Missal instructs us and what the church asks for us uh, when we pray in these regards. So from this point forward, we won't hold hands when we pray to our Father. It's not in the instructions anywhere. Um, and we won't raise our hands or lift our hands up. That's called the Oran's position. Uh, they're for different reasons. The Oran's position, any sort of form, is what the priest does. You'll see when I pray, you'll watch my hands will go like this. And what that is, is it's a sign that I'm praying to the Father on all of our behalf. Okay, so you can see that I do those things. I don't know why some of these things started. Maybe it was people were imitating me because there is like a back and forth that goes with it. Um, but uh, the Iran's position is for me when I'm leading to be in dialogue with the Father and everybody else. Um, and the history of why we hold hands, I've found numerous, ex- I, was, I wanted to explain different things, but I found like three different reasons that that started. Um, none of them I can verify, but I do know that uh, different places do it differently. And so here I'd like to just implement what, Uh, the church asks of us, which is you can just keep your hands folded or even if they're like down on the pew, you can just leave them on the pew. You can leave them at the side of your hands um, in any fashion that feels most comfortable to you. So um, the important part is that we realize that when we say our, we're making a statement of faith that the person next to me is my brother or sister. Do you believe that? That when we say our, we mean the person across the church is my brother or sister. And one of the things that I don't know if it's the only reason is the holding of the hands like helped it become our. But we need to, in faith, realize that every single person in here through baptism is related to me. And it's deep in my heart that we would recognize that we belong to each other. That we belong to the same table. That we have a common father and a common mother. And that we come from disparate ways, different places, different things brought us here. And that you might see the person you don't know and have a provocation in your heart or mind to say, ah, I wonder who you are. And yet, in faith, say, you belong to me. (laughs) Like it or not, you belong to me. Right? I used to tell people that in some of my parishes when uh, I'd show up. I'd say, okay, you got to be careful because if you don't like me and you start talking about me to other people, it's possible that they're my relatives. It occurred to me, you're all my relatives. (laughs) And this is what we're getting at in the heart of the gospel today. 
is that Christ doesn't come to abolish that there is order, that there is a way to fulfillment of life, that there is a flourishing that he wants for us. He doesn't come to abolish the Ten Commandments or suddenly make what used to be sin no longer sin. What he comes to do is say, hey, even the things that lead you up to that, even the littler ones, even the minor ones, those are important too. Pay attention to those. And what we recognize is somewhere in that listing, I hope all of you, if you were paying attention to it, thought, oh man, why do you have to include that one? (laughs) But that's the one where we understand most what he's doing. Jesus is doing something incredible here. You got to understand at the time, they're in the midst of the law. and, And so they have the Sanhedrin, they have these, that are, everybody's trying to like make sure they do it right. And what he's saying is, I'm, he's saying, the law says, right back and forth, he says, you say, and then he say, well, I say, what is he doing? All of this dialogue, everything he's doing, he's saying, no, I'm the law. I'm greater than the law. I'm the one. Every time he says that. Every time. And for them, who hear this, that have open hearts, joy, possibility, hope can begin to arise. Because what happens? They can realize the one who can fulfill it is in front of me. Right? For us, we can have a great hope that if we're stuck in sin, if we can't get out of anything, there's always the temptation to like change the rules of the game, right? I went to you know, whatever you play, to game, you know, if you ever play games with kids, it's always awesome when they kind of get tricked. They just change the rules. You know, I mean, you can always just try and change the rules, but it doesn't change. What Jesus is doing is saying, yeah, you can't win without me, folks. That's what he's saying here. You can't win without me. You can't live up to this if you don't give your life to me. You probably can't even make sense of this if you haven't started following me. It should look weird to be a Catholic, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ in today's world. It should. It always has. But we should be able to give witness that says, you know what? Yeah, I can live this. I just shared my testimony last night. 18 years I haven't drank. And what's the testimony? Not that we need to do whatever. No, the Jesus is real. Right? I mean, each of you have your own walks and your own ways. You can say, well, I used to be like this, and, and now I'm like this, and Jesus is the one who's helping me. And I kind of sometimes, the meter kind of goes back to empty every once in a while, and that's why that confessional is available. I got to start over once in a while. I mean, the Catholicism is like the most merciful place in the whole world if you really want to change. If you don't, it's a pain in the butt because you can't change the game. We can pretend, we can try, we can like live a certain way. Right, even me, the big uh, thing for me used to always be the death penalty. And I was like, oh yeah, that's okay. And then one day I was on a bus in Italy and somebody explained something to me. They didn't even know what they were talking about. And I was like, wow, what if someone in prison was going to meet Jesus the day after I thought I had the right to take their life. And you know what? I know a man that had a life term in prison and met Jesus because his bunkmate had faith. 
right? All of the moral laws that we live in today, everybody's trying to change. They don't, we don't need different laws. We need Jesus to be able to live according to the law that God put in our heart and in our bodies. That's what we're getting at. And the beautiful gift of being in friendship with so many of you is to hear from you the ways in which he is actually answering your prayer. That he is fulfilling the desire to be the one who gives you meaning and purpose in this life. That he's helping you go from this place to that place. It's amazing. And your witnesses will sometimes come with difficulties. Your witnesses will come with people who misunderstand. But if we hole up inside and never share with anybody our lives, if we're never willing to go in dialogue with someone who believes differently than us, how is it that they will ever understand the one who it is that makes their heart whole? But if we go out to the world that's missing the peace and we just pretend that everything is the same as them, then we don't offer them the peace that they're actually looking for. And I'm no different than any of you. I don't like confrontation for a minute. Last thing I want to do is be in confrontation. But then I started realizing that confrontation was the way in which I started wrestling and came to terms with the fact that I needed something I didn't have. Confrontation is the way in which every person wrestles with reality. If you aren't being confronted by something, you aren't looking at reality as it is. Because you don't have to be a Christian to step into the world and realize I'm powerless <laughs> over something, something, something. My friends, we're here today because there is a power in this world that loves you. We are here today. You are here today, whether you understand or not, because someone greater than all of us gathered together is among us and calls you his friend. We are here today because God knows that when he was provoking those people 2,000 years ago, that the provocation would lead them to follow him. And in following him, they would find the treasure that everyone is looking for. The treasures in the sacred word, I pray that you find time in your day and in your week to receive from him. The treasure is in your friends and in this gathered community. I pray that you share life with those you've come with and that you're always open to someone else that maybe God is trying to bring into your friendship. And the treasure will be here on this altar when a 2,000-year promise continues to be fulfilled that I will be with you always and my flesh is true food and my blood is is true drink. And when we drink and eat from the divine grace of God and his church, our hearts are so full that we don't need all of those other things that we're attached to. I always wish that God would just make me holy. I haven't met anybody that that's how it's worked yet. So, if you're still wanting something in your life to change, if you're still confused about things in this world, you're in the right place to pray that Jesus Christ would continue to fill your heart. What a gift it is.
that belong to the church.